Whether you're hunting the back 40 or chasing game deep in the backcountry, the all-new Razor Guide Pack from Outdoor Edge has it all. Coming in at only 12 ounces and in a premium wax canvas roll pack for compact storage and travel, the Razor Guide Pack is seven blades in total, including a 5-inch replaceable blade folding knife, a 3-inch replaceable blade caping knife, and the flip and zip saw for wood or bone. For more information, visit OutdoorEdge.com. Live in Jake's studio, this is the Whitetail Experience Podcast, a little different flavor, but uh, I drove out here today. Jake and I just recorded a Latitude session, so you'll be sure to check that out. I'm not sure when these two will release, but they're coming. Jake, how you doing today, man? I'm doing great, man. We just had a great conversation. We're sitting down here in the studio talking deer, so it's about the best Friday I could have. Yeah, we've been a little bit fired up. I brought some sheds out, then we got to discussing some summer prep. I texted you this morning about shooting and cams. You said you're behind in cams. I'm behind in cams. I have stepped foot. Oh, I've stepped foot in the Ohio woods for deer twice this year, mm-hmm. and it's mid June. Last year, by this time, I was over a hundred days, and I didn't have success last year. So, like in my head, I'm freaking out a little bit, but we'll get it figured out. But you've also spent some time in some other states, working on some yeah. cool projects, traveling for the new job. Like, yeah, you got a lot going on. Anybody, I mean, who doesn't know? This is Jake Bush. I'm sitting at his house. Uh, Jake has taken a job with Latitude in the last six months. Uh, I hope you guys are listening to his podcast. And then the the YouTube is there as well to kind of get some more visuals on things. But um, we're just discussing. This is a BS session. This is loose. Your son just turned two a month ago? Yeah, June 4th. And I got a birthday for my boy tomorrow. Well, today's his birthday. Tomorrow's the party. What uh, what was the best birthday gift you got your boy? Uh, He got a little toy, like, drive-around Tacoma that okay. matches my truck a little bit, same color and everything. And he's just been, it's got AM FM radio. It's got mm-hmm. forward and reverse. It's got headlights. Like it's got, it, it, it does it all. It's a mini truck. It's ridiculous. Now I, I will say this. Do you have a trailer system for this said vehicle? I need to get one. Okay. So my boy has a tractor, but he's got this little trailer that, that I, I've attached to the tractor, but it pays dividends. Cause they're like, we can do like many yard work projects or like we can move some things around and like, Two, he's getting way better at driving, and and like I'm like, dude, this guy's getting it done. That's a real thing, you yeah. Know, that's a big part. Like, just they're just driving something at two and three years old. That's gonna help for sure. It's a it's a curve, right? Right. Spatial awareness, yep. uh, timing. He drifts actually on the blacktop now. Where <laughs> I will watch him lay off the pedal, crank the wheel, and he'll let that end scoot around, and he'll take off again. Um. So so Tokyo drift style in the driveway. I love it, man. Um. Other than that, you uh, new bow for you. That's new. Yeah, so I've got a, uh, it's actually not here yet. The RevX 2, or 32, the 32-inch axle-to-axle should be here like today. Hopefully okay. it's upstairs right now. That'd be awesome. But but yeah, I'm excited to shoot that, man. Coming from the Matthews line. Coming from the Matthews line. Have yeah. you have you always shot a Matthews back in your New York days? Or I've swapped. Wrong? I've never been like brand specific, to be honest with you. I shot uh, a Martin Tomcat for a long time. I had a Martin Cheetah. I do. The Martins were killer back in the day. I remember it was Ted Nugent. Dude, had, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he got me. It, it Branding worked, right? The marketing worked. So I, uh, I, re- I used to like Ted Nugent a lot, watched him growing up and stuff. And he shot a Martin. I was like, well, I want a Martin. So I went and got the Martin Tomcat. But after that, it was a Hoyt for a little bit. And then I had a Matthews Q32, like the solo cam. Q32. What oh, year would that have been? Because oh, I'm not familiar. That would have been like, I want to say it was probably a late 90s bow, but I got it as a hand-me-down. Yeah. So, you know, I had it after a couple other guys had it. Like they had all their bucks pictures taped to the riser. Is this before like the solo cam? It, so it, it was a it was a solo or, or, it wasn't dual yeah it was before 
I mean, I had to be, I was 16. So that would have been what? That would have been 2007. What was the Matthews bow that was all over Tom Miranda's videos in like the late 90s? Oh, man. I, Where maybe. we would do a zigzag down a mountain and it was like the DX... I can't remember. Somebody man. is screaming at the the mic or at the speakers right <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah, they are. Yeah, just uh, just shoot us a message. Let yeah, us know what, what that what? was. The adrenaline. Mm. Matthew's adrenaline. It might have been. Yeah, I it think came been out of well. the mat. They did a zigzag, and then the bow came off the mountain. And you're like, oh, dude, this I, is I awesome. Shoot a, I got to shoot a Matthews. Yeah, yeah. I have not been super like brand loyal, um, willing to shoot anything. I, I I feel like Matthews probably was ahead of the game for a couple years, and now everybody makes a pretty good bow. Um, personal feel at this point I've shot let's see here Dave kind of likes some Bowtex and I bought one of his off him that I that was really dead in the hand um, but was a bitch to pull yeah now do you like a bow that stacks early late how do you like your back wall what what, what are some preferences if you were drawing up your favorite compounds of all time so the Matthews stack early like you roll over you have that heavy kind of wall to get through and then they roll over fairly easy but um, I've shot some bows that rolled about the same the whole time. And I kind of like that, to be honest with you. I, I go back and forth, man, to be honest with you. I just feel like all the bows now are, it's like apples and oranges at this point. Like we haven't had a major speed increase in what, 10 years, 12 years, something like that. Mm -hmm. We, they're all pretty quiet They're They all have very little hand shock. Like we're, we're battling over basically nothing at this point. To me, it's like, okay, my bow is five years old. I shoot a triax or I did shoot a triax just gonna upgrade like every five years ish i'll probably upgrade but yeah i'm not the guy that's gonna have a new bow every year like i just don't see like i can spend my money on like lithium batteries for my cameras <laughs> now because that's a that that's the cost of a bow every year mm -hmm. it's getting ridiculous yeah i'm with you there like i, I don't think there's been a significant i although some i was listening to a podcast this week i think it was bowhunter chronicles and they were talking that expedition that did some sort of crazy riser I can't remember if they put like carbon and aluminum together. Um, and more companies are doing carbon bows. I could see that, dude. Mm -hmm. I tell you what, after shooting the stick bow, it weighs like nothing in my hand. You pick up a compound, I'm like, holy cow, this thing's a tank. Yeah. So the one thing I'll say to that is I did have the Hoyt carbon, man, I forget which one it was. I forget which, which bow it was, but it was a carbon Hoyt from like 2014-ish. I bought it two years before I got the Tri-X. And that bow was super light, but I actually shot it worse because it moved around so much. Mm. So when I went to the Matthews, it was just heavier and it set in my hand better. And I was, I felt better. I felt more confident shooting out at range with that. Not like it, you know, I want to kill a deer sub 20 anyways, but. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Yeah. I like a bow that, um, pulls very easy from the start, maybe then ramps up and then peaks somewhere 67. I don't want to come into that back wall real heavy. Um, and I like a bow I can take a nap with at full draw. I know that's probably not the best for accuracy purposes, mm -hmm. but uh, the the I, I just the the fear of a buck standing behind a tree at 13 yards and I need one more step. I just want to be able to hold that thing forever. In fact, I ordered a 60 pound bow and it pulls like 63 pounds. Versus if I pull, ordered a 65, which is kind of what I wanted, it would probably pull like 68, and I'd be just why didn't I order 70? So yeah, I went 60 pounds this year, knowing it might. I feel like every company ships out a bow, and when you max out those bolts, which they say is like how they work most efficient, but they 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 tend to sit those a little hot, so they get a little better IBO score. Yeah, I think so Speed, too. Yeah, my triax is like that. I think I pulled seventy two ish on a okay. seventy pound bow, so a couple pounds over. Yeah, Dave will make fun of me. I do not have bow pulling muscles. 
uh, I just I don't pull that very well. I mean, I'm I'm getting to that point though where I want to do that. Like you know, if I get really into shooting for mm-hmm. a couple days in a row and I'm shooting like 100 shots plus every day, my shoulders really hurting me after a couple oh. days. So like, <laughs> I'm getting to the point where I'm in the back of my head. I'm thinking longevity wise, and I've actually heard Andy talk about this where mm-hmm. Andy hurt his shoulder, and he talks about like. I believe on a podcast, I, I think I remember him saying this where he almost wonders if he shouldn't have shot like a lighter poundage bow for a while. Yeah. Like what's the, what's the trade off if you're killing a deer sub 20 anyways. Right. So like, yes, the poundage is great and the speed's great and the kinetic energy is great. But if you can't draw the dang thing back when you're 40 or 50, because you've been drawing a 70 pound bow your whole life, I don't know, man. So yeah. I'm thinking in the back of my head, this might be my last 70 pound bow. Yeah, I think Andre DeQuisto has always been a guy who uh, shoots a very light bow. Um, I think bow hunting fiend, I just listened to him on a podcast. I think a lot of his bows are between 55 and 65. I don't think he um, even hunts with it with a heavier poundage bow. Anything else major new, new gear you're excited about? So I got, I mean, we got we got new sticks that launched, right? Those sticks are pretty cool. Right, They're, system uh, change is a big one. Yep, system, system change. So definitely going to be more packable than the sticks in the past that I ran, uh, lighter. So that's always good. I was talking about the 47 pound pack earlier. You know what I mean? So, so yeah, I'm excited for those for sure. Um, but that's, that's pretty much it, man. Are you still going to use a tree stand or are you going to go full saddle? I'm going to still use a tree stand. I'm a, I I like the hybrid style. I Mm -hmm. really do it just like in my head when I get in those spots where I just feel like I would have better option on the back or front side of the tree. It's just really nice to be able to do both for me. And I've kind of figured out a way to make that work. And you know, I'm the right size too, because I think that plays into it where if you have a bigger stand and you can't use the seat as a knee pad, it kind of eliminates the whole thought process behind that. So like, I just, it just fits me well. It just fits my style. You know what I mean? How about yourself? Um, so yeah, I, uh, we talked about this on, on the podcast. I'm, I'm envisioning October two sticks and I just ordered some long, like uh, double step type eighters and I'm gonna play with this, but I'm going to have that X two stick, which is a two step stick. And I want to be able to take those eighters and kind of like permanently attach them to the bottom. And then I need some sort of like band or ball band bungee permanently attached to that. Like I can kind of like fold them up on that bottom step, do a little ball bungee or twist tie or whatever. I don't know what it's going to be. And those two sticks will just like, you know, stack onto my stand. And then I'm envisioning a one, a one segment camera arm on one side and a fanny pack on the other side of like the I-beam split, if you will. Um, that's for October. Now come the rut, I'm going to bring probably more of the kitchen sink effect. If you will, just more layers, bigger backpack, uh, potentially food, water, like the, the system will change come the rut. It always does every year. It for has me. to, yeah. Uh, you're just out there in harsher environments and longer hours. 100%. People don't talk about it, but like the, the sit in the, the dark aspect where, where you get cold, it, it, that's a, that's a weird weird thing that that when I started hunting the hills was was something that like we could we, we took a little while to figure out and you talked about you get a lot of comments on your Instagram for walking out in the woods and people see like your bibs your jacket like like dude you're walking out in the woods it's thirty and all you got on is like a long sleeve tee yeah a lot of people bring that up and like my response to that is we're walking over multiple different ridges like zero to four hundred foot floor to ceiling it's you know you're like oh I want to get on this ridge. A mile and a half back well i gotta cross three ridges to get there i gotta work my butt off like if i'm wearing my gear i'm gonna be a soaking wet sponge by the time i get there like that just doesn't it doesn't make sense in my head so like my thought process with that is when i leave the truck i want to be cold like Mm -hmm. i should be cold at the truck and i should be cold for the first really couple until i hit the first hill i should be cold 
And then about halfway up that first hill is when I want to warm up enough to be comfortable. And I know I'm not going to overly sweat, you know, cause if you go out and right off the bat, you're hot and you're sweating your butt off, it's game over. You're, there's no way that you're going to sit in the tree for 12 hours during the rut when it's 20 degrees outside. If you sweat your butt off getting in there, at least not me, like it's just, I can do better than that. Yeah. I fear a uh, rainy hunt or, or where it's rained maybe overnight. And I'm talking late October, November time period where it's, it's rain conditions are wet. So now one, nobody talks about this enough, but I fall so many times in wet leaves going up hills and side hilling and like, that just sucks. But then like you get wet if you walk through any sort of um, vegetation and like, I've had a few of those hunts where you just, you dread it going in. You know, if I'm going to hang a stand, I'm literally going to have to, to redress at the base of the tree yeah. start to finish because I've, I've gotten wet in some sort of like Dickie style pants and, and long sleeve tee or, or base layer and long sleeve tee. Um, that's a huge thing. And so there's a lot there too. And another thing that I have, like from, you know, the weight standpoint that I guess I'm changing up and I ran it last year and I really liked it. It's a little, little, uh, tiny like thing, I guess it's not a huge deal, but the Okupa hand warmer, uh-huh. like I started running that. And have you seen those yet? No. Is this electric one? Yeah. So it's an electric hand warmer. It's got three different settings on it. They're pretty cheap. I think they're only like 40 bucks, but it's also a battery pack. So I don't have to carry my big battery pack in the woods anymore. I take two Okupas and they charge my phone and my headlamp and everything. And like, that's another thing I do is I take a charging cord and I make sure that my headlamp's chargeable. And uh, I make sure, like, I'm charged. I can charge everything with my hand warmers if I don't need them. Wait, I thought you were a Coast headlamp guy. I am. So I have. Uh, they have make a charger. They make it. They make a rechargeable Coast headlamp. Okay. See, I am. I am Team Coast headlamp, but I am battery guy because uh, I generally buy a bunch like of uh, of of oh triple A's. Yeah. And then the other fact that might that that has always scared me is I go for a hunt and it's not charged. Mm-hmm. So I have I have a little tiny Ziploc baggie of three triple A's, and you can actually crack it open and take the chargeable thing out and just slap the triple a's in there it does it all look at that is why we had this podcast yeah that's huge man that's a big thing yeah but yeah so shedding a little bit of weight there is is kind of a big deal to me too you know i can get in a smaller smaller pack with that how is it hunting with a cameraman now oh that's a that's a topic right there so it's the camera guys that we have are great hunters themselves right so like it's really nice that access is really good like if i start getting really slow and into the moment they're doing the exact same thing behind me but what i will say is there's there is definitely the opportunity for for double the obviously like a deer can see two people now in the tree right and the two of us are obviously going to make a little bit more noise like there's always little things like that but what i think that i need to do on my end is i need to just like get my setups more dialed for having two guys in a tree where in the past like i knew i could hide behind one little tree and i'm like man i really like to be in that tree let's do it and then we get up there and I'm like, well, we kind of look ridiculous in this tree. So like I'm working on trying to figure out where those setups need to be more often. And then how it's changed my access quite a bit too. You know, there's a lot of things there, but those are all really minor details that I just need to work on and figure out. And I think it's possible. And I see you got a, you got a thought here. What do we got? Yeah, what do we got brewing whoops. over here? So, so whitetail experience, we used to like film each other's hunts. Yeah. And then like we got to the point where I was like, um, we, you know, I feel bad having Andy or Dave film me because these guys scout their butt off and they don't get to hunt very much. Like I don't want him behind me. So we kind of went the solo filmer route. Um, but, uh, what what was I going to ask you? Oh, do you guys have like a system? Because sometimes when that system's flowing, getting up in a tree is great. But like, if you're slightly on the wrong page with, Hey, pass me the toe rope, hand me the third stick. If you are not synced in that, that, that time, 
it's a pain in the ass. So, and it's, it's like you have a camera guy in a mobile hunting scenario, right? And that's so much different than like a, a food like, pot, like a food plot, the preset stands and everything else, because like we are setting up all our gear and equipment and all these camera arms and everything on the fly. But I do think that we've, we've developed this system pretty well. And even the first time we went out, Derek was the first person that's ever filmed me, you know, by my side. And we had a pretty good system man. it just worked. And like, he, you know, he's down at the bottom and he knew what I was asking for. I'm like, you know, bag. And he puts his bag on there and we get it up. And the cool thing about being a guy that's self-filmed in the past is like, I kind of understand what we need to do in that situation. Mm -hmm. So I get everything set up on my end and he's setting his camera arm up. And so I grab the buckle for him and hold it around the tree. So like instead of him trying to do it one handed and, you know, being the only guy working on this stuff, like mm. I'm on the backside, like feeding the strap. So he gets it around where he needs it. Like the things that are a pain in the butt for a self filmer. Right. Mm -hmm. So like there's pros and cons both ways with that. But but overall, yeah, it's been uh, it's definitely changing the hunting style a little bit. Everything has to be a little bit more detailed and fine tuned. But the other side of it, too, is it's really nice to have somebody to bounce an idea off. Like I'm sitting here and I'm looking at sign. Right. And I'm like. Like, hey, D-Rock, what should I what should I do? And he's like, I think we just need to rip the Band-Aid off. And I'm like, all right, let's rip the Band-Aid off. Let's get in there. But, uh, but yeah, it, it does help having just like, like sometimes I might even know the answer in my head, but just talking to somebody about it or embracing the suck together too. That That is a huge aspect. The embrace the suck. Andy and Dave during the rut, if it's been a hard year, they will go hunt two or three days together and they have a blast. We have fun, yes. And we're having fun in the tree and we're embracing the suck together. I will say that, I get, I don't know how to, how to deal with this, but I get really, really guilty if we go in like three, four days in a row and don't see a single deer. Like okay. they're just sitting in the tree with me. You know what I mean? The entire time. And I'm just sitting there like, like, man, I got to get on a deer for these guys because they're working their butt off and I haven't done, I haven't done my job. They're doing their job every time we go out. And like, now this is on me. You know what I mean? I get, there's a little extra pressure on you, especially in that situation. There is. And I'm like a big, like, I apologize the whole, I'm like, dude, I'm so sorry that we haven't like D-Rock. I'm sorry. We've seen three deer in 70 days in the woods. Like, and you're not hunting for yourself. So yeah, there's definitely a give and take there. Um, what I've done to combat that a little bit is like, we went and out of state Turkey hunted this year. And I was just solely a camera guy and I had a blast. Like I was filming him the whole time. And so it was really cool. Okay. So let me ask this. Um, so when Whitetail Experience was two man filming, uh, Zoe, it hasn't killed a ton of deer. And if he was cameraman, we, we I'd tell him sometimes to bring his bow or even uh, shoot, shoot my bow. See what, if you can anchor it and, and shoot it and we'd pull the swap. And then uh, Dave and him almost got it done one time on a swap where here comes a 115. Great deer for him. Um, does, is, does D-Rock ever, th have you guys ever thought about like, you know, doing, doing a, a mid season, like here comes a 120 that he'd be more than happy to shoot is, is... Ab so, so absolutely. Okay. And I think this year, like I've really tried to, all the States I'm going to make sure that they can get a tag too. And Kansas is going to be different. Yeah. Kansas is going to be a very selfish hunt, but I've told Derek multiple times and this year we're doing it. Like he is shooting my bow for mm -hmm. sure and same thing if like if Corey films me or any any of the camera guys that we could have we've got a bunch of them that are great that work with us but they all need to shoot the bow and just make sure they're good at 20 and if we get the right deer to come down the pipe like i'm grabbing that camera and they're smoking that deer yeah and i think even too like um have a have a plan because you could probably get to your cell phone and film it if if latitude says that's acceptable for that kill shot but a dead deer is all, obviously a bunch of marketing media, so they should be okay with that. But um, 
Dave and I, ank- we have the same draw. We we would we generally in the past couple of years have even shot the same model of bow. We generally get the same arrows, but he anchors almost an inch different on where he puts the arrow, like on his cheek lip area. His is I think higher. I know it's off by an inch from me, and it's a very different shot. I think I had to use like one like for a twenty yard pin. I, it was like his bubble or his like housing was like my mark. Like it wasn't even close. Wow, that's, that's way Yeah, up. like it that's wasn't crazy. like I, 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 I couldn't even use like his like 30 or 40 yard pin. It was like one of the housing marks. Now are you guys running peeps or are you running just straight straight? Yeah, yeah, it was peeps. Um, it just must be how I put that arrow in like my lip area and he puts it and I'm probably maybe like, I think I'm a touch low and then he's a touch high. So that it's like the max distance. Uh, between that and and so like yeah he, I could not shoot his bow very well but I could pick up Zoe's bow and shoot it even though it's like two inches shorter on the draw but we both must anchor somewhat similar um, and I could shoot his bow at 20 yards even same pin same everything yeah and hand pressure too right like if you if Dave's a guy with a mm-hmm. high wrist and he's using a lot of like up by his thumb and mm-hmm. then you're a low wrist guy using more down by your wrist that's going to change that that point a ton too so that you know the combination there might be what's going on i wonder yeah i never even thought about that but but yeah that grip could be a a huge thing too but yeah that, I, I was gonna ask about you know having another guy uh filming you it's an aspect to the mobile hunt it really from a mobile hunting standpoint yes just because there's i mean you know how i am about access like i'm a freak with my access i take so much time i take forever to get up the tree so like it, it could be a really, it could be a nightmare if we had the wrong guys in place. But thankfully we have guys that, like I said, are good hunters themselves mm-hmm. and they understand those concepts and it just flows well, man. Nice. Nice. That's good to hear. All right. Let's let we're thinking time frame. We're probably 20, 20. How, how many minutes? In, we're 27 we? right okay. now. We recorded a little early though. We're probably like 25. Okay. So let me ask this coming into next season. What has you most excited? That's Part one. Part two is what did you feel like was an aha moment last year that you're going to apply to this year? So I would say the aha moment for me was obviously with the EHD thing in Ohio, it was the fact that I was overly like hyper-focused on specific areas. And so the aha moment for me was I'm going to go back to two years ago and three years ago and four years ago when I had a lot of success and I'm just going to cast a very wide net with my cameras. I just want to find the most amount of deer possible and that helps out a lot. That helps out with, you know, Hannah getting a deer. Hands out helps out with my brother coming down and getting a deer. Like, there's a lot of aspects that 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 helps. So that's a big focus of mine as far as the aha moment. And what was the other side of that? What like the other... when you're sitting here, it's it's mid June. Mm-hmm. What has you most excited? Oh for man, I would say that this year, it's it's probably not what you're expecting. But I would say the fact that like I'm managing I'm managing my expectations differently this year, and I'm really excited to. You know, I've been on this soul chase and this very selfish chase for four years of just trying to find the biggest deer I can find omega. and kill him. Yes, Omega. And so now with everything that's happened, with the family life, with less time to spend in the woods, everything else going on, kind of thinking like, let's just go out and kill some good deer. And that's going to be fun, man. I mean, that just like, I w- it's like a the relationship there is funny. Like you get into good deer and you're going to have more encounters and you're going to like, like, I'm like, Derek, there's a good buck. Like grab my bow. You know, that's an exciting thing for me going out of state a lot more. Like instead of last year, I gave up all my out of state hunts. I had planned to try to focus on that mega in Ohio Mm -hmm. and it never happened. And I probably gave up on some really good hunts. 
you know what I mean? I probably left some really good hunts in the bag. So this year I'm looking at that. And I'm like, you know what? I'm like, it's going to be fun to go out of state and say, okay, the first 120 that walks down the pipe is going to get absolutely smoked. Mm-hmm. And we're going to be hooting and hollering out in the woods and having a good time and, you know, call all the boys and they're all going to show up and we're all going to drag it out. And that to me is like, like I'm getting more into that again. And yeah. it's going to be a cycle, right? Like I feel like everybody's going to go through that stage where they want the big one and then they want to just go have fun and maybe they fall back into the big one again and then 10 years later they want to have fun and that's okay that's what it's meant to be it's it's not meant to be something where you just have an expectation or a goal and you just stick to that your whole career mm-hmm. like it's all about evolving and adapting as we go and we're both going through those stages with our family too where we're looking like I mean, man, 10, 12 years out, we're going to be thinking about our boys getting on deer. And I know that my deer goes right out the window immediately. Sure. That is absolutely second place. Like I want to get Charlie a buck. That would be, that would be the highlight of my, my life hunting. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of things that are going to be changing for us, man. I think that just enjoying it is really the biggest thing and the most important thing. Yeah. Dave and I have talked about this like kind of sliding scale and he's Cisco. Uh, talks about that and and he kind of talks a little bit more in like the year approach where like he's holding out for a mega and he will hunt ohio hard he'll go out of state hard but the the tail end of season he still wants to have that experience and has he's the ice man he shot a lot of nice deer in the in, in the snow in that time period but we've talked about it like out of a, a couple year period i always think there's a time to maybe push yourself to the next level Okay, and if you're not successful, okay, let's dial it back that next season and go through that that killing process. I Ohio's a one buck state, and I missed some learning curve opportunities by passing probably one fifteen to one twenty five inch deer with hopes of a one forty, and should have shot some of those deer because I still had plenty to learn through that final ten seconds through just going through killing bucks and deer, even just bucks, right? Because that's something that I think is important. So, yeah, I think it's okay to say, okay, this is the year I've had a couple years of success. I'm going to push the bar. I'm going to go for my biggest buck today. And if it didn't happen, okay, I still want to kill deer. I still like to kill bucks. If that's a priority to you, you don't have to maybe have that such a high bar that that second year is what I'm going to call it. Yeah. Um, So I like that. 100%. And the other side of that too, though, is like, so that for me, that managing of that expectation of the mega and taking a step back from that is really just a matter of how much work I'm going to put in. Mm-hmm. But if I go pull my cameras mid-September and I've got a giant on there, like I'm going to probably try to go kill that giant. You know what I mean? So the expectations are really about how much work I'm going to put in. But like if that deer shows up mm-hmm. and I didn't have to like overly work hard for him and he just pops up, like, you know, that's kind of a gift. I'm like, well, I'm going to try to pursue that deer as much as possible. So, so yeah, I just wanted to to point okay. that out yeah yeah it, 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 you're still if he's there you're gonna chase him yeah. but like uh, uh the amount of time and mileage is, is a touch reduced it is it just is and it's that time that that point in my life okay jake what's the best thing you've bought in the last six months like non-hunting related non-hunting related huh i like mm. to do some of these rogue bs questions man there is that screen maybe that it might be the screen yeah i got a new monitor for editing the podcasts and videos and everything and it's like what is that? Probably 32 inch. And yeah. you can just set that timeline up on there and it just expands everything out. Like I can see each individual word of a podcast as opposed to these little tiny fragments on the Mac. So that's way up there. Um, these ring lights are cool. I like the ring lights. I, I like this new recorder, this Roadcaster Pro 2. 
You're a full blown podcaster these days. We're slowly getting there. It's gonna be a work in progress, but I'm I'm shooting for the stars. Dude, you were talking to me before <laughs> we pushed record about audio stuff, and I'm like looking at Jake like, dude, I don't know shit about audio. I know a little bit about photography and a decent amount about videography, but the audio world that is a uh, foreign language to me. It's a lot of fun, man. When you start really diving into it, like I I was in the same boat three months ago, right? Like I really didn't know anything, and then I was just like, you know what? I just want to like I want to see what I can come up with here. And it's been cool. Like, there's a lot of stuff that goes into it. Like, you look at my walls now, and I've got these soundproof <laughs> things all over the place and stuff, and it looks ridiculous probably. But, but yeah, there's a lot to go into it. It's just another fun thing, yeah. you know, at the end of the day. Any uh, major fishing trips coming up uh, this summer? So, potentially. My brother won a, last year in a bass tournament, he won a brand new Ranger bass bow. Shut the yeah, fuck up. Is like, he like a serious like, bass Oh, yeah. Fisher? Yeah, he's, oh, okay. he's legit. Like, he, win, he won the X-Series which is like an Ohio-based tournament. There are championships on Chautauqua Lake in New York where we grew up, and he went out there and won that tournament. So we won that boat. But he's pretty high level, and I'm excited to get out there with him. Man, talk about a family in the outdoors. If he's competing at the whatever bass circuit we're talking about, like that's high level. He's, he's and then very, you got yeah. you, the deer, the little bit more of a deer hunter-oriented guy, and I know he comes over and you guys cross oh sports if you will but. we help each other out right like i go up there and he's like hey let's go catch some fish and i don't have to do the work and then <laughs> he's he comes, the guide yeah and then he comes down here and i'm like hey dude let's get you on a good buck and last year if you guys followed along with the uh instagram stories at all we had like i think i posted a video of limbs drawn and a big buck in the background twice yeah and we just didn't get it done but like he was in pulled the, back on in the snow i believe is in the some snow, of the coolest yeah. footage or photos i've seen i have some really cool footage i if he would have killed the film that we could have produced there would have been awesome maybe i'll still post something you know i've got all that footage and sure it'd be cool just to get it uploaded and have it on there that way we have it to look back on more than anything else oh man that's cool yeah i i remember seeing the the, the photo i think you posted and it uh it just looked epic. Just uh, snow adds a, a, a level of epicness to anything, if you will. Dude, I'll tell you what. Like, I'm an early season guy, but watching a buck come down a rut funnel in the snow, because you can see him from, you know, like George is like buck coming, right? Big buck coming, and I look up, and at like 160 yards, he's got his head down, he's walking right down the pipe, and immediately I'm shaking. Like mm-hmm. I am shaking in my boots immediately, and it's you know 15 degrees outside snowing like crazy and to just watch that deer come down the pipe like that like it's it's so much more of a build-up when you can see them from a long ways away i almost hate it to be honest with you my biggest adrenaline dump was from two does that came into the swamp and i had a crossbow and i had to watch this is like my this might be my first hunt or uh, first year hunting and i had to watch them for 10 minutes oh my god and uh, she heard me slide the crossbow up a, a big like overall onesie that I had uh, that I was borrowing from Mr. Yager who also supplied my crossbow and my, the nice ground we were hunting. But like, dude, she heard it slide up. But by far, my heart was ringing through my ears louder than any buck I've ever encountered. Oh, and no I doubt. think it was the time. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt about it. So are you a guy that likes it to happen quick or like semi quick? Like I'm going to call it like quick is like turn five seconds later, arrows released. Or do you like it like 15 20 seconds where maybe you catch them at 30 they work into 20 arrow what what are you thinking i'm in the middle i got to be in the middle of that just because of the camera gear too you Mm -hmm. know like i feel like i see a buck right and my heart rate just pops it explodes like my heart's beating like crazy and then i start deep breathing and i settle back in and that takes like that 10 to 15 to 20 seconds where if it if he comes running in in the rut and he's a giant and he's at like six yards 
I'm going to be freaking out, man. Like I haven't had a chance to bring my heart rate back down. You know what I mean? So like for me, let me, if we're talking about like, what do I like to kill a deer? Let my heart rate come down a little bit. Cause you know how I get animated. Like I get rid, I'm ridiculous when a big deer comes in. So yeah. So I like to be in the middle, you know, just to make, just to make sure I can make the shot. Me and the guys talk about this. I don't know if this, I, this is just how much I love deer hunting is like, like in season, if you haven't had a deer encounter and then it's like, like the, I don't know, let's call it October 5th and you see even a four pointer red doe, like, and it's your first like visual encounter inside a bow range, dude, like it is a spike. Oh yeah. Still to this day, I'm fucking 35 years old. Like I I still get that little rush, even though it's a doe, I'm not even hunting her, but like it's the deer yeah. is the kind of like what flashes in my mind. Oh, it's a deer. They exist. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what gets me going? So say that you have a specific buck that you want to go after and you're like, okay, he's going to hit this scrape October one. Like there's white oaks dropping like crazy in here and you're set up 20 yards over that scrape. And all of a sudden you hear footsteps pop out like footsteps and they're getting louder and louder and louder. And it's like a little buck or a doe that walks out and they come in, they feed under your stand and you're going nuts because you're like, I can't blow this. Like that big deer's up there. You know what I mean? And like, mm-hmm. like the doe looks up at you and you're just, your heart is pounding out of your chest. You close your eyes. And oh, I close my, I'm an eye. Yeah. I, I squint real bad and mm-hmm. I hold my breath. And then sometimes you like, now I'm out of breath. Right. So now I'm breathing really heavy and she's looking at me. And, um, when I killed my 172, the one up above you. So he, I knew he was up there. Like I just, I knew that that deer was going to be in that system. And that doe came down. She had me busted. She's in the middle of that flat, like dead center where I think if I bust her at that point, she's going to run right back up to that deer. Right. So she's got me pegged. She's stomping at me. And I'm like, this deer should be like a hundred yards away watching her. Like he's going to, he's going to bug out. And she took one more step to my right, like away from where that buck was bedded. And I could see that I had enough angle. She was like kind of pointing that way, just like kind of steering a deer after you shoot, like you shoot at a certain time to make, to see if they'll run a certain way. But so she takes one more step and all of a sudden I flinched really heavily at her. And this was like, I don't know if I've, I've, I've ever told anybody this or not, but I made this big flinching motion, like, you know, kind of psyching her out. And she ran right away from that buck and never came back, never snorted, nothing. Cause if I wouldn't have done anything, there's no doubt in my mind that she is absolutely going to start blowing at me. And so like I flinched and she ran off and eight minutes later I kill that deer. And I was like, Oh my gosh, what are the, like, what are the chances that that actually works out in my favor? It's, it's ridiculous. That is wild. And then at the same time, so, so, um, if you if you have the same encounter with, with deer or whatever and it's like November 5th cuz you've had some ruts or whatever where you you're hunting back to back days it's almost like you see them you don't get that adrenaline spike you're kind of just looking behind them yeah. and do you think you can hear the cadence difference 100% i absolutely can hear like there's no to me these big old kg bucks like it's just it's a long drawn out step and it's very like methodical you know what i mean it's not like a doe's like She's like and, prancing a little yeah, bit. Yeah, and the big buck is like... But sometimes I feel the bucks are a little steady Eddie. They're like confident. Yeah, yeah. Early season they are. Like that one above you, once again, like that. you watch the video, that mm. thing just, he comes right down the pipe. I was uh, like, what are you doing, guy? Like uh-huh. it's it's hunting season, man. <laughs> like I don't know what's going through your head. But yeah, I think you can... Okay, final question here and we'll, then we'll wrap up. Do you think they have that sixth sense? Like if you put off too much energy, if you get too worked up? I've always believed that and I've actually... I know this is kind of like a, a hoaxy type product, but like that hex system where they claim they can like block the electrons 
and it kind of works with fish and like I don't know where I fall on it, but like I definitely think if you get too worked up, they sense you're you're there. I I think that there's something to it, and it's so weird though because like I I, I almost feel like there's a distance. You know what I mean? Like they can be coming in, and a lot of times they're fine, but it's just like they hit like this brick wall, and I don't know if it's like there's just a little bit of residual scent or what it is, but like. They definitely like most of the big ones that I kill, the really mature bucks, they know. Like when I'm when I'm releasing that arrow, the majority of the times it's like they're ready to run off. They're ready to bug out. And I don't know if it's I don't know what it is, but there's definitely something there. Yeah. Someday I, we'll know. Yes, I do believe a lot of these bucks that I have shot, they have either started to figure out something was awry or uh the the one buck in the snow, he like hit the the ground scent and like, yeah, he knew. He's like, shit, there is somebody right here. Um, but yeah, I definitely, I think there's something to it. Um, and I noticed too, like I can see does, see does and, and pass them by inside bow range. But if I'm there to kill the doe, she picks something. Oh up. yeah. Yeah. It's totally different. These some small bucks will look at you in the tree and keep walking. If they, I, I feel like, cause you're not giving off that energy of, of, uh, of the doomsday guy up in the tree. I just picture the grim reaper up there. Like you are there to, to take them out. But like. If a small buck walks through, he doesn't sense that energy because you're not giving it off. Yeah, no, total. There's definitely something there, no okay. doubt. All right, Jake, very cool, man. Well, uh, I appreciate you having me out today. I uh, wish I could stay longer and just kick it, but uh, I got to get back to the day job. Yeah, sounds good, man. Thanks for having me on the show, and uh, good luck this fall, guys. Where can people find you real quick? Because you are putting out some some cool podcasts and YouTubes, and I want to be sure to hit 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 that up. Yep. So most of my content now is going to be over on the Latitude page. So Instagram is Latitude Outdoors, and the podcast is Latitudes in Session. Your show will be on there this upcoming week. So if you guys want to tune into that, it's it's a really good podcast. I really enjoyed recording it with you. And then we have the in-session series over on Latitude Outdoors on YouTube, which is just informative video, basically informative videos with like maps and everything else. Like I've done a lot of podcasts and a lot of people ask for like visual representations or that's a big question I get. Mm-hmm. And I finally thought, you know what, let's just put some anime, some animated maps together and give it's, the people what they want and it's it's almost a, a video cast a video podcast there's there's a couple more elements to it um you can see in field like hey we are looking at this yeah uh, they're a little more education based i like it yep yep so we have that and then we have the grit that's going to be launching and at the end of june actually which is going to be the hunting films from next year and we'll kind of keep that going nice. every year so so yeah there's a lot happening over there i hope you guys tune in and enjoy what we're putting out all right jake thanks for coming on yep thanks for coming up Thanks for having me.